0: It's just good to see everybody here today, and um, I love worshiping with everyone here, and I know there's people online, and they're joining us here right now, but uh, I love being in church with everybody. It's really cool. Amen. I've been in church a long, long time, and uh, amen. I was born on a Saturday in church on Sunday. My mom made sure I was there, and uh, I've been there a long time. Amen. But I never get tired, it never gets old, of joining with other Christians, other believers, and really worshiping the Lord and praising God, so I am thank for that amen and today especially I'm thankful because it's exactly six years ago today that my wife and I took over the pastorate and, and uh, transition amen so we celebrate that today celebrate all that the Lord's done hey today I don't know if you knew Michael left but this last song that we sang at worship was written by uh, members of our worship team Amen. Not good. How many believe God's given us more songs? Amen. God's going to, amen, give us a bunch of songs. Amen. And so uh, that was so special about that song. So next time we sing it, that was in house. That was good, right? And uh, we're so thankful for that and all that the Lord is doing today. Amen. We really just uh, um, kind of just set our hearts as a leadership team that this year would really be dedicated to family. We really felt like the Lord was just really wanting us to focus on family more than ever. We do fo- focus on family, but just really to do um, our events and some of our things we're doing uh, really to enhance family and, uh, and do what we can to really strengthen families and homes, and uh, so we just really have set our heart to really um, you know, do what we can, and so we're gonna do some events and stuff coming up, but how many know that family is so vital and so important to God, and uh, I'm so thankful for this family, amen, the family of God that we've come together, and amen, we're all, we're all from different walks of life and all in different stages, but we can call each other brother and sister, amen, and uh, we're part of the family of God, amen. You can't choose your, fr- your uh, family, but you can choose your friends, Amen. So you're stuck with us. And uh, so that's the way it is. But I can't help but feel that as I look around and I kind of pay a little bit attention to what's happening in our culture, in our day, that it really is reflective of Genesis chapter one through three, every, all the discussion and all the arguments and debating and a lot of the things that are happening in our culture really have a lot to do with Genesis chapter one through three. And so when I uh, kind of prepared for this series, um, I'm going to call this marriage matters um, we're going to be looking at a bunch of things this, you know throughout the year but really strengthening marriages and families and homes and teens and singles uh, and, and single parents and um, men and women but um, you know I began to think about what's happening as I look at Genesis chapter 1 through 3 what's happening in our culture in our day that there is this promotion of gender confusion it's this forcible exposure of perversion to our children sterilization of children this uh, solicitation and exploitation of women and minors, the dismantling of the family, the the ovation and praise of lawlessness, um, the normalizing of what's abnormal, making natural what's unnatural, and this attack really seems to be against the Lord and the creation of God, as you and me and us, and it's financially supported, media driven, and politically pushed. But I thank the Lord, but the gospel can overcome all everything in our culture that is against the Lord and change people's hearts, change people's minds. And the gospel is the glorious light that floods the darkness. How many believe that? Amen. So no matter how dark our culture is, society is, there's always greater light. Amen. Which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so this morning, as we share some things from the word of God, it's going to kind of open up some understanding and enlighten some ways. And so as a church, We said, you know what, we're going to do something about it, amen? We're not just going to talk about it, complain about it, and post uh, angry memes about it. We're going to do something about it as a church. How many believe that, amen? Amen. But you know, all the things that are happening in our culture, there's one that really kind of takes precedent, really takes, um, really is a little bit more important. I mean, that's all important, but there's something, a need, I should say, that's really been overshadowing our country for some time and and really it's worldwide. It really is. And it's a crippling need called fatherless homes. And I don't know about you, but I want to see River Valley Church do something about fatherless homes. Amen. Anybody? I want to see River Valley, amen, be a catalyst in what God's doing and restoring people's homes. Amen. The the home, the family and the, the order and the the, really kind of the blessing of homes. How many would like to see that? Amen. That God would do that and the Lord would do that. You know, the Bible makes it clear that in the old Testament, one of the last prophecies of the old Testament was a messianic prophecy about Jesus, but also was talking about what God wanted to do under the new covenant. And that was found right in Malachi when it says that God will take the hearts of the children, turn them back to the fathers, the hearts of the fathers, turn them back to the children. And how many know, Amen, that need still exists, amen? That need is still going on. And so we're not just going to talk about it in church, we're not just going to, uh, you know, kind of magnify a problem in our culture, but we're going to do something about it, amen? And I believe as a church that we can take steps and do certain things, amen, with everything that's within us, really, and put our faith in action. How many believe that? Amen. That we can see, amen, families that are together, kids growing up, amen, in a two-parent home or a was it this way, a healthy home, come on, and not have this great need that is really global. Now, some people, it's interesting, when you start talking about fathers of psalms, you start talking about some of the problems in our society, they have the attitude, well, nobody's going to do anything about it. That's just the way it is. You can't change it. How many have ever heard that in your life, when somebody told you that? You're never going to change, that's just the way you are, amen? Well, your grandfather and your father, they were alcoholics, so that's just who you're going to be. But how many know Jesus Christ comes and changes all of that, amen? And the gospel has a way of rearranging our mindset and the way that things are going in our culture, amen? And so I believe that sometimes we talk about fatherless homes, it's like talking about poverty. Um, You know, when we talk about feeding the poor, everybody jumps in on that. People give money and nobody really has a problem with giving to the poor. It's when you start asking why are people poor that people start having a problem. So it's not when we start talking about all the problems in our society, it's when we start talking about solutions, why things are the way they are and how they can be solved. People start getting uncomfortable. Because how many know there's a spirit of the enemy that and moves in our culture that wants to keep things the way they are, wants to keep people in, oppressed? Come on, wants to pe- keep people in a, a mental prison and a spiritual prison? Wants to keep the light turned down low so nobody can really see the truth? Anybody? Anybody? Am I just, I'm just guess I'm on my soapbox this morning, but the, 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 really the point is is that as a church, what we want to say is, Lord, how can we, in this community in this state, see fatherless homes? Amen dissipate? How can we see the rate of teenage suicide go down? How can we see the rate of teenage pregnancies go down? How can we see fatherless homes and that whole uh, really problem in our society be solved? That's really our heart, isn't it? That's our heart as a leadership team. So what we're going to do, we're going to do a few things this year. Uh, we're going to be, of course, preaching some messages here from the pulpit and also Wednesday night and online. And one of the things, I just want to give you a little snapshot of what we're going to do. We're going to be preaching series with resources about marriage, raising kids, and healthy relationships. Uh, we got some uh, sermons we're going to be working on and series we're going to be presenting. One's called Wreckers" and "Home Builders" in a Marriage, um, Being Satisfied in Your Marriage, Disciplining Children. Uh, one of the series we're going to do is called Are You Raising a Bully, a Brat, or a Bum? <laughs> Amen. Uh, we're going to preach to teenagers about finding true love and what it means to choose a partner. And how to be happy in your singleness and how to serve the Lord. And we're going to talk about real love and real abuse. We're going to talk about communication, media, and money, and roles in marriage. And so these are some of the sermons that we're going to be preaching that are really going to equip the family and help strengthen the homes. Um, we're going to be doing podcasts and sermons. We're going to make those available exclusively to the community, those that don't know the Lord, how to have a happy marriage, how to raise your kids, how to uh, you know, work and be successful at work. Amen. We're gonna um And I'm real excited about this. We're gonna partner with an anti-trafficking organization for the aftercare recovery and restoration of victims. Amen, I'm so excited about that. We're gonna have classes and events with teens about job and life skills and community outreach through the teens and our young adults. We're gonna be doing VBS and kids programs for outreach, such as the soccer. That's one of the initiatives we're doing so we can reach kids and then in turn reach their parents and their family. Amen. And we're gonna have men's and women's groups and we're gonna empower and equip men to be men, women to be women, and be satisfied, successful, and fulfilled in their life. Amen. So these are just a few things we're going to be doing this year, and we're excited about it. Amen. We're just going to do our part, but it takes all of us, amen, to really come together and say, Lord, we want to see, amen, fatherless homes in Lycoming County and that problem be solved. We want to see children grow up in healthy, safe homes. Come on, somebody. We want to see, come on, we want to see our teenagers, amen, amen, not be struggling with confusion, who they are, what they're doing. We want to see successful relationships where they're not just practicing safe sex, but they're, amen, living a life of holiness, come on, and unto God. And uh, we want to see these things. This is what we want to see, amen? And we're going to do our best, amen, to do those things, amen. So today I want to start a series called Marriage Matters, and just preach a little bit out of Matthew 19 and Genesis 1. So if you'll turn with me in your Bibles, let's turn to Matthew chapter 19, verse 4. I'm going to start in verse 4 through 6, reading out of the NIV. In Matthew chapter 19, verse 4, and I I was just uh, talking to somebody recently, and they said, you know, I do take notes, um, and sometimes it's a little hard to follow you because you go a little fast so i get that and i understand that so today maybe uh the northern part of me my brain will kind of slow down and get into the southern part of my brain that kind of talks a little bit slower amen right amen so that's just me amen but matthew chapter 19 verse 4 <clears throat> sorry all those from the south Anyway, so so just Jesus asked a question about marriage and divorce. And they came to Jesus and actually, uh, and not just seeking knowledge about this, they actually wanted to trip Jesus up. This is one of their tactics. But Jesus uh, turned it around and he brought out the tremendous truth about marriage. Uh, he talked about marriage, divorce, and singleness. And, uh, but I'm gonna pick it up in verse four. And Jesus said this, have you never read that he, created, he who created them, meaning God, Adam and Eve, from the beginning, made male and female, made them male and female. And he said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and she be joined inseparably to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. For they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. Let no one or anyone come between them or divide what God has done In the way that God has done it. Amen. And then, of course, Jesus is referring to Genesis chapter 1. And Jesus goes right back to the beginning. I love that about the Lord. He doesn't play games. He knows people's hearts, where they're coming from, and exactly what they need to hear. And he says, okay, let's put it this way. I'll go back to the beginning. Jesus goes back to the foundation, goes back to the beginning of where it all began. Where God designed and instituted marriage, relationships, and even talked about uh, pu- sexual purity and holiness. And he goes back to Genesis one. So let's go to Genesis chapter one, verse 26, starting verse 26. So Genesis one, verse 26, The Bible says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our own image, according to our likeness. Let them rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every crawling thing that crawls on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and rule over all the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. God gave his first promise. God gave his first command and established and designed um, marriage. And also, there was other things that God did. We're going to get into it. But it's interesting, um, if you read that account and how everything happened on that sixth day, the Bible says that God formed Adam out of dust, but he fashioned, the Bible says he fashioned the woman from bone, from Adam's rib. So God formed Adam out of the dust, Use that word formed, out of dust, and fashioned uh, the woman from bone. That word form means general, general sense, right? That's what he did with Adam. He just formed him, right? Just came out of dirt and there it is. But he fashioned, the Bible says, Eve, great detail. That's what that word means, fashion. It means detailed. And maybe that's why we don't understand women because we're just dirt, right? And there's like detailed things, right? God took his time. It reminds me of the story. The Lord um, said to a man one time, he said, say anything you want and I'll, and I'll do it. Just anything you would like me to do for you, I'll do it. anything. And he said, you know what? And he thought about it. And he said, I would like a highway that goes from California to Hawaii. I want to drive to Hawaii. And the Lord said, that's a great undertaking. I don't know about that. What, what else? He said, all right, I want to understand women. He said, would you like two or four lanes in that highway? <laughs> Amen. All right. So that's where Adam got it. All right. But we see here just a few things, um, really, that marriage matters to God. In fact, really, if you read this account and look at it really for what it is, God's design for marriage, he said, was very good. God's intention from the beginning was that marriage would be Holy. I haven't heard that word in a long time. Holy matrimony. I think when I was a kid, part of the pastor's uh, deliberation was we're joined here in holy matrimony. Why? Because if you go back to the very beginning, you'll see how sacred and holy it is, right? And and so he goes back and he says that. But how many know? Not all marriages are holy. (laughs) Amen. Just because you're in a church and have a pastor and have a reading out of First Corinthians 13, that doesn't necessarily make it holy. Anybody? Anybody? So all, not all marriages are holy, but God's intention was from the very beginning. Remember, marriage came before the fall. So God's intention and design was, was that they would, it would be holy and it would be good and very good and, and that it would be designed the way God wanted it to go. And there was a pattern that God gave us in this relationship. And I believe that when it's done according to God's design and obedience to God's word, then it's holy, Amen. Then God sanctifies it, God recognizes it, and God looks at it. And and when in Matthew's gospel, and of course in Genesis, it says, What God has joined together, let no man bring asunder or divide. Now, many many of us think that has a lot to do with unfaithfulness and make sure you, you guard your marriage from, from all these things. And that's true. But really what it means when Jesus said that, what God has joined together, let no man put asunder, meaning the way that God set it up, the way that God designed it to be, that no man will deter off that or ruin that pattern or get away from that pattern. Come on, somebody. That's why when they questioned Jesus about marriage, they were talking about, well, in the beginning it said this about divorce, but then Moses said this, and then over the years, we've changed it to say this and this and this. And so that's why Jesus said, he went right back to the very beginning, and he said God's intention was this. And so what happens is that what God brings together, in other words, when we do it God's way, no one should be able to say any different. Don't let people say that marriage has done any other, other way except this way. That's what he's saying. And if you do it according to God's way, if you do it according to God's pattern, then I believe you'll have God's blessing. Do you believe that? And that what we can say is a holy matrimony. Amen. Amen. We just thank the Lord today for his word and just pray that God blesses your heart. Amen. But in Genesis chapter one, if we look back at Genesis chapter one, this is what we call a biblical worldview. It's right here in chapters one through three. Parents, if you want to teach your children the most healthy, practical, foundational thing in life, teach them the biblical worldview. Amen. Give them the biblical worldview. the creation mandate, as a lot of people call this. This is what refer, referred to as the four pillars of society. And as, as historians and theologians refer back to this, these principles these, this time, it's the four pillars of society. How many know that four pillars of society are built on one thing, in the beginning, God? How many know that? How many know any, the creation mandate, amen, the pillars of society are all built on one thing, in the beginning, God. How many know if you miss Genesis one, amen, it's gonna throw your whole worldview out of whack. Your whole worldview is gonna spin out of control. If, if people don't get Genesis one, then they wonder why their worldview and their view of life and death and babies in the womb is not correct because you got away from Genesis one. So how many know we need to get Genesis one right? Amen, so we get Genesis one right, amen, then I believe that we come into this worldview. And how many believe the Christian worldview is the worldview? Why, because other religions really present a man's view of God, man's view of life, man's view of the earth, man's view of religion, but Christianity is God's view. Amen, come on, this this message is starting to get a little narrow for some, amen. But this is the truth, isn't it? This is the biblical worldview is the worldview, amen. Amen. How many know it it is the truth? When you get born again, God doesn't say, okay, we come in and I celebrate your truth. No, we say, Lord, we celebrate your truth because there's only one truth, amen. And so that's Genesis one, and so this is the worldview. Let's go through um, the, the four pillars of society. Number one, there was identity, identity, Male and female. Number two, there was marriage, fruitful. That's what he says, be fruitful, marriage. Number three, there was family, multiply, multiply. That's family. And then four, there was vocation, subdue the earth, work with purpose. Work and purpose were there, the vocation, and rule the earth, subdue it. Amen, and all those things. So we see identity, marriage, family, and vocation. All those things right there are the four pillars of society. Right there, the creation mandate, that is the worldview, and all of that hinges on, in the beginning, God, that we believe that it was God. And it wasn't just a God, it wasn't just some old man, amen, that had a bad attitude and didn't have anything better to do. That This is the God. This is the creator God, the one that has lived forever and will exist forever, and the one that had no beginning and has no end. This is the God that just spoke and all the stars were created in one instant. This is the God that opens his hand and satisfies the desire of every living thing. This is the same God, amen, that spoke, let there be light and there was light. The same God that breathed into the nostrils of a human being and it became a living soul, amen. This God. How many believe in that God? Amen. This is the God we're talking about. But God gives a blueprint for humanity here. He gives a blueprint for life. And, and then all of a sudden we see something here that when you see this, this mandate, when we see this four pillars of society, this is what, is what the Bible calls and I believe refers to what is Natural the natural process of things. How many know when God created male and female, he created us with natural processes, natural uh, production of our bodies and natural uses for our bodies, come on. He also created us with natural affections, did you know that? Created us with natural affections and, and another word that we can use for natural is normal. Someone said, well, I don't know what normal is. Nobody can say it. Who's to say what normal is? Well, we can go back to Genesis chapter one and say, we know exactly what normal is. In the beginning, God, that's normal. In the beginning, amen, that he created male and female. That's normal. Come on, somebody, amen. He breathed into the, not he created man out of dust. That's normal. So we want to say, what's normal? Well, let's go back to Genesis chapter one through three. That's what's Normal or natural. That's what the Bible says. It's normal. And, and then not only is it natural, but it is honorable. The Bible makes it clear that what God did and how he did things, how he formed you and me and how he created the world, this is honorable to God. It brought God glory. Everything in his creation was to bring glory to God. How many believe that with all your heart? You were created, the intention of creating man, Adam and Eve, was to bring glory to God. Amen. It wasn't so that they can make money. It wasn't so they can build a big city and they could repopulate the earth and become famous. No, it was that they could glorify God in their body and in their spirits, which are the Lord's. Amen. That's why God created them. So this was honorable. What God did was very good. And that word very good doesn't just mean it's cool. It means honorable. It's honorable to God. It's right before God. Come on, somebody. It's right before God. And it's, it's, it's honorable to the Lord. And I mean, so it really doesn't matter... What you say or don't say, uh, I've noticed about this, it's a matter of what we say or don't say, people will say, well, that's just hate speech, or that's religious jargon, or that's you know, intolerance, amen? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what we say or don't say. How many have ever found yourself in that position, amen, on Facebook or wherever, and you're trying to talk to somebody, it was like, you apologized, and that wasn't good enough. You, you got in their face, and that wasn't good enough. You had a great argument, that wasn't good enough. You didn't say anything, that wasn't good enough. How many know it doesn't matter what we say, amen, as Christians about a lot of, I mean, it does matter, but ultimately, when this argument happens, it doesn't matter because people are just gonna say, well, that's just religion. That's just, you know, that's where you don't like people and God draws lines instead of circles and all that kind of stuff. But how many know this is God's way? Does anybody believe that? I believe with all my heart, this is God's way. It's not God's way because we said it, God said it and that makes it his way. Amen. And how many, of y'all, I believe in his way. I didn't create God's way, he created it. And so I love God's way. And so that's what I'm learning. I'm learning God's way through this life. I'm learning God's design. Let's go through the first one, identity. I'm not gonna go through all four, but identity, God's design. This was God's design. I believe with all my heart that it's honorable to God for me to live in the gender he created me in. It's an honor. And I when I live in that, I honor God. And, and, and that's a, it's an honor for us to do that. The Bible makes it clear that male and female were to walk before the Lord in, in that identity and in an intimate, intimate relationship together. And that male and female, and, and we were to share a sexual intimacy and in marriage to raise a family. And, and God created our bodies that way. Just, just the way we're made up, God, all the things, I'm not gonna get into it, but all those things that God made Wow, it's honorable when I live and move in that gender, isn't it? It's honorable when I live and, and I and to God, when I express that to the Lord. And God creates two genders, one spouse to be sexually pure. That's God's design. And God doesn't violate his word. Someone says, well, I think God's doing something different. And these things were written and, and a long time ago. And they, didn't, they don't understand. They're not like our culture today. Um, I mean, you know, God can never violate his law. He'll never violate his law. He'll never violate his word. And he'll never violate this pattern, this process right here. God will never do that. And so that's the thing is that when we talk about these things, people automatically say, well, see, God doesn't love people who, who are messed up and he doesn't love people who are, are living an alternate lifestyle. God didn't love them. That's not what we're saying today and that's what the Bible says at all. And we're just talking about the pattern of God, amen? And so let me just say this that the, the goal, uh, and I need to throw this out, that the goal of witnessing, the goal of telling somebody about Jesus, is not that they'll become straight. Anybody you might need to think on that one a little bit? It's not that we're trying to say you need to be straight. That's what it takes to be a Christian. No, what we're calling people is to relationship with almighty God. We're, we're preaching the gospel so that they can come back into the relationship that God designed them to. Amen. We're not calling them to be straight or to be in this denomination and to believe this decree and this, the, no, we're calling them to a relationship with God almighty through Jesus Christ. Anybody? Come on, somebody, amen. So if you're, if, if you're working hard and you're fighting with people about this these issues and stuff, and you're just trying to get them to believe, you gotta be straight. That's what the Bible wants, that's what God wants for you. God wants a relationship with us, first and foremost. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Amen, and so that's important, isn't it? And I believe this is why churches and Christians seem to be in opposition, and it doesn't really matter. Again, uh, it just seems that we're in opposition to any, any type of, of, of gay or trans movement automatically. It just seems like Christians are automatic. You don't even have to say anything. Just automatically are against it. Why? Because we represent a pattern and a design that was put in place by God. And we represent something that's holy and we represent something that, that is pure. And, and when people don't understand and they're not living right or living in sin, sometimes it becomes across that people are like, well, you're just a hater automatically. Well, I didn't even say anything to you. Yeah, but automatic. Why? Because I represent somebody who has a design, somebody who has a pattern in place, somebody who's holy. Amen. Amen? So when I'm witnessing people I realize it's not my truth, it's not my gospel, it's not my will, Amen, to save them and and to I can't do those things. It's the Lord's, amen. So that's why it seems that we're in opposition because automatically it's what we represent. It's that perfect design and plan God has for all gender or the two genders and and sexuality and marriage. All those things the Bible makes clear, that's what we represent. But you know, it's in that truth, it's in this principle that sets us free as humans. As humanity is set free when we line up with God's pattern. Amen. How many know you're not free when you're living in bondage? You're not free. You're not free when you're living dishonorably to the Lord. You're not free when you're living outside of God's design and God's pattern and God's will. Anybody? You're not free. That's just the way it is. And if you think you're free, then you don't think we need to repent. The Bible makes it clear the reason we have to repent as human beings, as humanity, because we're fallen from God. We're not Amen. Holy. We're not righteous. We're in sin. Can somebody say amen? amen? We're in darkness. We're opposed of God. We're away from God. We're separated from God. Amen. We're enemies of God. So we need to be saved. And we, and salvation so, so many times today is like, if you just appreciate Christianity, if you could just agree with Christians, if you just like God, or if you just believe in a bigger, you know, power than yourself, then somehow you're okay. You can, you're a Christian, but how many know there's only one way the Bible says that we are saved and that is through Jesus Christ. Amen. There's only one way to heaven. Amen. And that is through, amen, the door, Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. Right. Right. And then the second thing is that really, if you look at these scriptures, God's vision for human sexuality is a gift from God. It really is, isn't it? And that, that the intimate activity, amen, this intimate relationships that we have with husbands and wives should occur within a marriage covenant between a man and a woman. That's what the Bible makes it clear. And that's what's so freeing. That's what's so good. That's why the Lord said it's very good. Amen. And so let me just make this clear uh, today because I think this, this is confusing to some people and it doesn't have to be. The Bible says that immorality is sin, but the Bible also indicates that sex is not sin. It's the use, the wrong use of sex that's sin. Hello, Amen. So it's the wrong use of sex. That's what. That's where God has issues. That's where the Bible is counter to what's going on because it's not that sex is a sin. It's the wrong use of it. It's out of context. It's out of the honorable, natural. Uh, plan and design that God has has for us, come on, so when we take that out of context and we take that and put it in another situation, then it becomes dishonorable, then it becomes unnatural, then it becomes abnormal, then it becomes then it goes anywhere, come on, and it turns into love, not lo- uh, lust, not love, right. Amen, and so this is what we have to understand. So it's not, so, so many people believe that the idea is that your body is evil and, 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 you know, but the Bible says the body is not evil. It's what you do with your body. Amen, the Bible declares that as Christian, my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Does that make me better than other people? Does that make me holier than now Absolutely not. It just makes me a child of God and an indwelling of the Holy Spirit, amen, that he can come and do his holy work in me, Amen. Amen. And the Bible makes it clear that the body, our body was never designed for fornication, was never designed for impurity, was never designed for immorality. It was designed for the Lord. It was That's what God created us for, that our bodies would be used for his purpose and in his design and in his way. And anything outside of that is what the Bible calls sin. You see what I'm saying? And so we we have this, this idea sometimes that we need to get a hold of, but ultimately there is a holiness in marriage that I believe that needs to be restored Amen. It is restored when we come back to the Lord. Amen. But I believe in our culture, it's just nobody sees it as being holy anymore. Nobody sees it as, not to say nobody, but a lot of people are in the mainstream are really like, it's not holy. It's not sacred. It's just, you know, you can have three or four, you can have side chicks, you can do all this. I mean, it's not, it's not a big deal. It's not important anymore. You don't have to be committed to a, one person for the rest of your life. But how many know the Bible makes it clear that family or marriage matters. Marriage is important to God. Amen. You know, in Romans chapter one, he begins to talk about how people took the truth and they turned it into a lie how that they didn't worship God anymore, they worshiped creation instead of the creator. How that they really mixed a lot of things together and it became vile. And, and they, they, they just kept ignoring God and getting away from that which was honorable, that which was natural, that, that design that God had, that pattern that God had from Genesis chapter one. And he said because of that, that they were turned over to vile affections. And then he talks about men with men, women with women, and, and he uses this word, Natural, unnatural affections or vile affections. These, the, they, the natural use of the body has been changed. The natural affections have been changed. It's not love anymore. It's now it's lust. It's this natural, unnatural use of the body. And it's interesting, uh, the word affections there and the word vile that he uses, because the word vile, when it says vile affections, it means the disgraceful way to the Lord. It's a dishonorable way to the Lord. It's a shameful way. And what does that mean? That simply means that it's out of the context of the original design. It's away from that pillars and those foundational truths that God has for us as a society. When we get away from those things, then all of a sudden you're gonna find unnatural affection. You're gonna find people using their bodies for things that weren't created for. Come on in that way. That's what the Bible says, doesn't it? And, and so I believe that when it comes to sexuality and gender, they're one and the same. We, we want to say, oh, hey, I'll well, separate them. And they're, no, they're one and the same. When the Bible makes it clear, it's just, it's together. That's how the Lord looks at us. And he wants us to use those things for his glory and his honor in his way and his pattern. And only then will it be called very good as far as God goes. Amen. And now it may be called very good in our culture, but how many know sometimes what's not good, what's good in our culture isn't good in God's eyes. Amen. So that's why we we live a different way. And so I believe that the challenge is not really in our body as much as it is in our mind. The Bible says that when we get saved, there's a renewing of our mind. What does that mean? That we go back to what God designed. Let me hurry here. Marriage is, is holy. It's a holy covenant before the Lord. And, you know, I just wanted to say that um, one of, a lot of people believe, and there's a teaching that Paul taught about, and he talked about being single and marrying. And He said, if you're in sin, he said, you need to get married. It's better to marry than to burn in your lust um, for one another. And I think a lot of people use that scripture, meaning that, well, you know, if, if you can't wait, you just need to get married. Amen, and that's not what Paul's promoting there. What, and that's a whole other sermon itself. But marriage isn't a cure-all for, for sinful living. Many people look and say, well, we just get married, then, then that kind of makes everything right. But marriage has to be done uh, before you're married. The Bible says that the marriage bed is, is undefiled, it's honorable, and I believe that God wants us to have a right way into marriage. There's a right way to enter into marriage. And, and I believe that there is a holy covenant that we make before. God, And it's a serious thing. And I, and I know that people have, I've, I've been at their weddings where they made that covenant before the Lord and had that wedding. And then in three months they're, they're, you know, hanging out with somebody else and sleeping over here and doing this. And then they're divorced and then they marry. And, and, and that covenant didn't mean anything to them, but yet they think that God somehow blesses that. And somehow God's in that. And, 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 you know, one, one guy said, uh, while he was having an affair, Hey, if I died in that moment in that bed, I believe I'd go to heaven. I wouldn't take that chance, amen, but that's the deception, and so I believe that as, as we look at marriage and that holy covenant before the Lord, it's, it's for that fulfillment. It is for that satisfaction that the Lord has, has designed for us as humans, and, and it is God's way, and everything about God's way is very good. How many believe that? Amen. Amen. And it's not, it's not a way to repent or salvation. Uh, ma- marriage isn't just God approval on, on any type of relationship. It's when we do it in, in obedience to God and according to his way. How many believe that? And, and, and I want to just kind of just go to this other part. Because, you know, really, as we're talking about these scriptures, I... I just couldn't help get away from this one important element about the Lord. There's one attribute about the Lord, and and he is the creator. We see this right here. There's another one I want to bring out that really kind of ties this all together and kind of end on this one and then pick up Matthew chapter 19 next week. But there's really, I want to just bring something out here. If I could just go to this side and that there's four revelations of God, there's four major revelations of God, and there's one major attribute about the Lord that we see from the very beginning of time. Number one, we see that the Lord is holy. Number two, he's almighty. He's, number three, he's eternal. Number four, He's creator. We see those things. But there's something that's over and over again in the Bible. There's something from the very beginning to the very end, this attribute of God that we see. And maybe we sing about it, but we really don't talk about it enough. Maybe we need to kind of focus on this before we look at the four pillars of society and and we bring this truth out first. And that is that God is holy. Holy. In the book of Revelation, John saw uh, seraphims and angels, and they were singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. They didn't just say he's holy. They didn't say he's holy, holy. They said he's holy, holy, holy. And that was an agreement. And that was a covenant statement repeated three times that he's holy, holy, holy. And there's an attribute of God that makes these four pillars of society work, and that is the holiness of God and I don't know if you get nervous about people talking about how holy he is, how God is, but it's when I looked and saw and, and looked in his holiness when I saw that truly I needed him, that I was a sinner and I needed the power of God, I needed saved, anybody listening? I needed, it's when I saw a holy God that I saw how dirty I was, how rebellious I was, how, how ignorant I was, come on, how broken I was. It was the holiness of the Lord. And one of the things you have to understand is that the Bible makes it clear that the holiness means that he's altogether right and perfect. Without his holiness, he would not be altogether right. And holy and righteous without his holiness he would not be just he would not be fair he would not be merciful and loving that's what makes his love so powerful because it's holy pure love it's not a tainted love that you and i have experienced it's not a a a human love that just changes it is a everlasting pure love because he is holy because he is holy. That's what makes him so powerful. That's what makes God so almighty. That's what makes his word so true is his holiness. If God was not holy, his word would not be true. If God was not holy, his power would not have authority over every sphere, every spirit, every, no. you know what I mean? And any stars would not bow down to him if he wasn't holy, amen. It's the holiness of God. That's what makes it so powerful. And so all of God's love, his power and authority are true because of his holiness. And God's love, his judgments, his, listen, his law is holy. Let me just say that for Christians. His law is holy. Holy. The truth of God is holy. Anybody? His judgments are holy. He doesn't judge and everything. Listen, no, he is the lawgiver. He's the law keeper. He's the judge. Come on, and he is a righteous judge. He is a good judge. He is a just judge. And because he is, he's holy. Amen. You can't separate God's love from holiness. You can't. Because people say, well, God loves me and yet I, you know, I know, no, no, because he is so holy, his love is so powerful. Amen. Because he's a holy God, we can come in. Now, now, understand this. Sin put us on the outside of a holy God. It automatically made us unholy. Amen. How many know Jesus was that, amen, sacrificial lamb that opened the way for us to know God and be holy? The Bible says that when Jesus died on the cross, when we received the blood of Jesus, we are holy. Two people. That's awesome. It's not my holiness. It's not a denomination holiness. It's not a list of rules that make me holy. Jesus makes me holy. I am holy. Amen. And that's why Jesus said, be holy before your father in heaven is holy. He said, if the, if the root is holy, then the branches need to be holy. That's us. I, mean, no, I can be holy, I can live, amen, the way God wants me to do. I can live in purity, I can live in the way that God wants me to, 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 amen, come on. I can have a successful marriage and raise godly kids and do this and do this and do this because God is holy. And it's not my holiness, it's not anything I've done or ever can do, it's his holiness, amen? I believe that with all my heart, amen, amen. See, people want to identify with Christianity without identifying with Christ. I believe people want to identify with God without, being, without the holiness of God. I remember witnessing to a young man and, and he was talking about, I know I need to get back to church. I know that I need to live right. He said, but there's just one thing I can't do. I just can't be holy. I just can't be holy in my relationships. I got to get out Saturday night. I got to have relationships outside of marriage. I just have to. Amen. Everybody knows there's a holy God, but it is is an awesome through Jesus. We have, amen, that privilege of coming before that holy God. And even the Bible says that if we sin and we fall, amen, we have that, amen, open door. We have that open heaven. We can come. The Bible says we have audience with the holy God to come and say, Lord, amen, I need you. I need you to cleanse me and forgive me and I can be forgiven, Lord, and it doesn't matter. I don't have to jump through hoops and give money to the church and do all these good works, amen, all I've gotta do, amen, is come before you and say, Lord, just forgive me. And the Bible says we can come boldly for the throne and ask for, and by the Bible says, by his grace, we get our petition, amen, answered. By his grace, amen, we're covered with the blood of Jesus. He doesn't see me and my sin, he sees Jesus. He sees the blood of Jesus, amen. And I'm so thankful for that. And that holy God, amen, took upon himself to come in human form and die on a cross so that I can be holy once again. You see, that's what salvation's all about. When you get born again, you come back to this place of Genesis chapter 1. You come back to this place, God puts you back in that place, justifies you as if you never sinned, as if it never happened, as if there hadn't been 6,000 years of sin and turning from God and rebellion, as if it was day one, amen, A day six of Genesis chapter one, amen, and God says, amen, I'm restoring you and re- renewing you, amen, I'm putting you back in relationship with me, and now that promise of creation is mine. Be fruitful and multiply and subdue the earth. Amen. And that promise is mine through Jesus Christ. How many believe that? Amen. Amen. And it's the holiness of God that brings a wholeness to humanity. That's why we need to see people saved because it brings a wholeness to humanity, body, soul, and spirit, amen? It brings holiness to humanity. I love that about the Lord. And the the other thing that I really love about what God does, not only did he die on the cross, not only did he make a way that I could be holy, not only does he forgive me and accept me and call me his son, and and I've got everything that uh, he's ever, ever promised to anybody, I've got it, amen, through Jesus. But the other thing I love is that he's given me his holy spirit so guess what, I still can't brag about my holiness, it's not me, it's the Holy Spirit working in my life, God's doing it, amen, I, how did I clean up my act, I, God did, I don't, it's whole. I was dirty, but a clean God, I mean, he just cleaning me up, and he's sanctifying me, and making me holy, because of the Holy Spirit, making me holy doesn't mean I'm holier than thou, it just simply means that I'm right with God, I'm, I'm where he wanted me to be from day one, when, when I was born, from, from the time I was in my mother's womb, that's what he wanted, a relationship with me. And now that I'm born again, I'm where God wants me to be. Amen? How am to believe that with all your heart. Amen? Amen. Man, this morning, I just wanna encourage you that just like Genesis 1, if we get his holiness wrong, then it throws our whole worldview off. It, it throws everything off in our life. If we If we don't see God as holy, if we just think that, he's just common and it's not a big deal and what I do and how I do things. And he he really cares about me. He's going to give me everything I want, but he really doesn't care how I live. Come on, if if we don't see the holiness of God, if we don't see God in his throne, amen. As Isaiah, as a young man, as a young teenager, he said, I saw the Lord. He was high and lifted up and his train, filled the temple. And he cried out to God. He said, I'm an unholy person and an unholy culture. Amen, sanctify me. Touch me with the coals, amen, of the altar. Touch my lips. Sanctify my life. Do a work in me. How many can say, amen, that's how you approach the Lord. Amen, here I am, but I got issues. And this holy God reached down and did a work in me, a cleansing work, a forgiving work, a a miracle in my heart, in my life, and put me back to Genesis one, that I am his son. Amen, that I have all the promises of, amen, all the creation promises, all the things of, he's gonna protect me and provide for me and love me and watch over me, and I'm gonna be with him forever and eternity. Amen. Amen, because, amen, he's got a plan, he's got a purpose, he's got a pattern, and I wanna fall in love with that, amen. Can we stand on our feet today? And you know, because God is holy, how many believe because God's holy, there's no confusion? I I don't know if that's your testimony, but for some people, before you came to the Lord, there was just such a, a darkness, such a confusion about life, such a confusion about sexuality and gender, such a confusion about who am I, where did I come from, what is life all about? Is there a God? You know, there's such confusion, but you know, because God's holy, there's no confusion. And that's one of the things he does that when we come to the Lord, he just sets everything right. He's the God who makes it right. He's all righteous God. He makes it right. He sets it right. Amen. And he's the one that makes things, come. brings me back to that natural use of the body, the natural affections. He's the one that puts that honorable, desire my heart i just want to honor god with my body i want to honor god with my spirit i want to honor god with my life amen and everything that i did that caused me to be dishonorable i want to put it behind me i, I want to wash it from my life i want to i it to see it just kind of separate from my life and and now i i want to be made new how many said that when you were baptized i'm, I'm new lord i mean the old person that old nature that's all gone amen and all things have become new Amen? I believe that with all my heart. And so I believe today that it's God's design and plans and his pattern for the four pillars of society, those things we talked about, about identity and sexuality and marriage and family and all those things. I believe it's very good. When it comes to God, it's very good. His ways are very good. And that's what we promote is the very good ways of God. Amen? We promote the very Good pattern of the Lord, design of the Lord, the very good, the holy matrimony, that awesome covenant of family and tremendous uh, uh, purpose that we have in the Lord. How many can say Amen? That's what we promote. That's what we worship. And so today, I want you to be encouraged today that Amen. Marriage is holy matrimony. It's a holy calling, holy living, and but we can do that through a holy God. And that when we would come to church, that we're not just putting our hands up and. Doing that because michael said so or the worship leader did this or that's what our church does but we're lifting our hands because he's a holy god we're surrendering our lives to a holy God as an unholy people, an imperfect person saying, Lord, you're holy, I'm not. You're the one that I need. You're the one that makes everything right. You're the perfect one. Amen. There, I, you're, I'm searching for a perfect love. Well, it's in Jesus. Amen. You're the one that gives me perfect peace. You're the one that gives me perfect joy. Amen. I'm not perfect, but Lord, I receive from you which is perfect. You're the one. Amen. And I don't have to do all these works to gain your approval, Lord. You love me, always love me. You've been searching and running I believe you're pursuing a relationship so all I'm going to do is I'm simply going to say I'm stopping where I'm at and I'm going to say Lord I need you today, Amen? amen amen, and how many believe that God is setting things right in our our day, amen and so I'm going to declare this over our city that we're going to see God bring people back to this, his design his pattern, his will, his goodness come on somebody, amen the teenagers are going to find purpose and kids are going to be protected and know the Lord, amen, at a young age and they're going to know what it is. Amen. They're going to know what it is to have loving parents, loving mentors. And they want to grow up to be, amen, I want to be a, a, a just a man that is committed to family, committed to other people and serving. And I want to be a woman that really just knows how to uh, really serve the Lord and worship God and bring glory to Him. Amen. That's our heart, isn't it? Father, we just thank You today for Your Word. Thank You that, Lord, even though um, the Word sometimes comes across and digs a little bit. Lord, we thank you that it brings healing and it brings, Lord, just correction. And so I pray, Lord, today that your word would continue to work in us, that we would see your word for what it is. Lord, go back to Genesis chapter one and say, Lord, this is your design, this is your order, this is your pattern and it's very good. And Lord, give us the grace, give us the compassion, Lord, to be able to communicate your ways to other people who need to hear it. Lord, give us the, Lord, not the fight, but give us, Lord, the grace to be able to communicate, amen, who God is and his plan for their life and what God has for them. Lord, we pray in Jesus' name that, Lord, there'll be many, many people, many souls, many souls in this area, in this community that come to Jesus Christ as a result of people in this room talking about Jesus, talking about the Lord and his way and his pattern. And I just praise you and give you glory for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Everybody sad? Amen. Amen.